it's good to be with you guys. As Mike said, and just to kind of affirm it while we're doing the offering, we will be meeting tomorrow night uh, over in the chapel. It's a school, it's a how to become a prayer warrior. So if you've ever, you know, we're supposed to pray, but there's not a, like a lot of training on how to do it. So we just kind of take every area of prayer and we explore it. And then as a group, we learn to pray with each other through different things in life, which the Bible calls us to. All right. With that, please grab your, uh, grab your Bibles and go with me to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Let's go ahead and read it. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. As in the day of the trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my uh, works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they're always going astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. As I have sworn in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. All right, Lord, we ask that your word would go forth and accomplish what you want it to do this evening. Speak to us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, uh, I'm going to work with you on uh, what the scripture talks about, about hardening your heart, as Mike was even praying this evening. What does the scripture mean when it says hardening your hearts? Well, first, before I give you a definition, let me just kind of quickly give you a real quick overview of what it means. Uh, we actually find that there are examples of different types of hardening of heart in Scripture. We see that in the Old Testament, one of the main examples we have is Pharaoh. And we know that here's a rebellious king who was resisting the will of the Lord, and it said, and God hardened his heart. Now, a lot of people look at that and they're like, well, if God's going to do these kind of things, who are we that we can withstand him? And so when we look at this concept, we need to understand that Everywhere it talks about it, there's a different application to it. So when we talk about God hardening Pharaoh's heart, hardening the heart has to do with a response to the voice of the Lord. So when God speaks to you, saved or unsaved, it causes a response. Usually it causes people to turn when they hear the voice of the Lord. And so God did not want Pharaoh to respond that way, and so he, instead of him, repenting, God made sure that he responded in the way that he always was. Instead of responding in repentance, he lifted his hand off of him and just let him respond in rebellion like he was going to anyways. Then we find out that as we look at God talking about hardening of hearts, uh, we even have a prophecy where God's talking about certain nations are doing things, and he even talks about his people, and he says, well, their hearts are going to be hard, and if they would just turn to me, I would actually save them. And so you have Jesus picking that up in the New Testament, and he talks about hardening of hearts. And then when you look at 2 Corinthians, it talks about hardening not just your heart, but your mind so that you cannot grow in the glory of God. Now, it's fascinating. So what is, now let's get to the definition, what is hardening of heart? Well, the Bible actually describes it. It's kind of funny. When you look at it, you would think it would mean, it mean to make rigid, but it actually doesn't mean that. It actually means to make the heart fat. And, I, and when I looked at that, I thought, well, that's a strange 
word for the word hardening. It makes the heart, the heart fat. So why would it use that as an analogy or a definition for hard heart? Well, the, the fatness here isn't talking about in the arena of prosperity. It's not talking about a good thing. It's talking about the fatness has to do with three things. Are you ready? It has to do with dullness of hearing. It has to do with a stubborn attitude. And it has to, uh, the Bible uh, has to tell you the truth about it. I, I feel it's kind of mean to say this, but it also means to become stupid. So, when we talk about the definition of hardness of heart, the idea of fatness comes over the heart, the mind. What does that do? That, that makes us resist God's voice. It makes us dull in responding to what God wants us to do. And the Bible says, and the fruit of that is, you become stupid. Now, you guys ready? This is why you can, if you ever listen to ministers, they say this, and it's actually true. Have you ever watched people when they sin and you think, why are you doing that? Sin has a stupefying effect on people. I didn't say God makes you stupid. I said it causes a stupefying effect on you. You cannot function in reality the way that God created you to function. So you guys ready? That means that our mind comes into deception. We don't see things the way they truly are. And then the outworking or the fruit of being stupid is we do stupid things. Uh, none of this is supposed to be insulting. The Bible's trying to get to this is what hardness of heart does. All right, now, when we look at this, especially Hebrews chapter 3, because there was all kinds of passages, and I felt this is the one the Lord wanted me to do. So let's look at it. It says today, this, this concept, even though they translated today, it just means now. Every moment now is the time for you to what? Hear his voice. And this is the concept. It's the word where we get phone or phonograph. It means to hear. Pay attention. So the, now the Bible is actually beginning to have a conversation with you. God is talking. You're getting God thoughts coming to you all the time. Humanity is. So what's the distinction between people that listen and people that don't? Well, one is intentionally training their heart to pay attention, recognize it, and grow in it. The other one is giving no value to it, no training to it, and they're becoming duller and duller to recognizing it. And so now the Bible's saying, now you have to give your attention to this task. In fact, are you guys ready? If you're wanting to grow in any part of what the Lord's destiny is over your life or anywhere of righteousness or wise living... The foundation of the Christian experience is to hear the voice of the Lord, recognize it, and obey it. And I, sometimes we add all this other stuff to it, but really that's the foundation of all of this stuff. So you and I, here we have God trying to speak his love to us, draw us into knowing him, and we, we go for what's called lesser loves. We, we like the things of his hands, and we like the things that he does, but we don't really like him because we don't see him correctly. Well, now the scripture is trying to deal with this. God wants you to hear him and see him correctly so that you do not have a hard heart. Let's keep moving on. It's, and so it says, do not harden your heart. So this is now actively saying, this is something that you're, this here in Hebrews is saying, this is something we do. So what is it we do when we harden our heart? 
It, again, I already told you it means to make fat or it means to create stubbornness inside of us to what God says to us. Now, do you guys go through seasons? I, uh, it almost becomes normal. We talk to each other like this all the time. Oh, yeah, the Lord's telling me this and I'm not responding. Do you guys ever hear those kind of things? Or I keep having the Lord say, why don't you do this? And I keep saying, no, that's not a good idea. Do you guys ever? Okay. I mean, this is JR's lifestyle. <laughs> I thought I'd get you before you got me, so there you go. All right, so, yeah. So, you guys ready? What is that when we say God is talking to us and I'm not responding? Well, the Scripture is saying that's just not you being clever, that's you hardening your heart. Now, please understand this. I want to make sure I say this biblically. If you don't recognize it's the voice of the Lord, or you don't understand what he's asking you to do, that's not the concept of hardening your heart. The idea is at another level. God is making himself clear, and you're resisting him. That's the idea that you're hardening your heart. And the Bible is actually trying to tell you that people through history, and it's actually now using Moses' story and the Exodus story as the specific passage he's saying do not harden your heart like they did in the days that they provoked me. Well, what does he mean by provoked him? There, there, there are two ways this word provoke is used in the Old Testament. It actually means, are you guys ready, to irritate someone, which leads to being rebellious in front of them. And so, what was the purpose of God pulling the nation of Israel out of Egypt? God wanted a people that was his. He wanted to father them, and he wanted to be known as God to them. And they, because they had come under what's called a slave mentality, they could never break free from thinking in slave mentality thinking. They thought anybody that was over them was going to treat them like slaves, and they got it into their head. And so they could, the most of the wilderness wandering was God trying to break them free from that in their thinking. Isn't that amazing? He'd bring them somewhere, and he would basically, and I'm going to show you this, put them to a test to break them free to stop thinking they had Pharaoh in, over them and that God was good. But they never saw it that way. They just thought, God brought us out here to kill us. They even made that commentary. He brought me here to kill me. Now, this is sad to say. When, when God first asked me to leave um, Colorado and move to Kansas City, uh, some of the tests that I was going through to learn how to respond to the voice of the Lord, I kept making comments like, God brought me out here to Kansas City to kill me. Well, yeah, especially in Kansas City. I mean, it's really ugly out there anyways. But have you guys ever gone through seasons where God has now brought you into a new season, and the season isn't to destroy you. It's actually to get you to listen to him so you can learn paths of righteousness, but you interpret it as he's brought me out here to kill me. And then we kind of laugh and go, that's a good thing. But most of us don't think it's a good thing. We think, well, God's being hard on me. No, God's not being hard on you. Anything that he brings you into, and it has to do with his voice speaking to you, he's trying to rise you above what you're defeated in and make you an overcomer and to understand how much he loves you. That's a whole process that God is in with us. So it says this, he provoked me, to, and they were being rebellious, and it was irritating. And it says, as in the day of trials in the wilderness. So let's, let's take that, trials. 
How many of you have ever had the greatest joy of ever studying all the tests and trials in the Bible? There's actually only 11 of them. Not hundreds of them. There's only 11 of them. And they're all open book, which means God will tell you what the trial is. He'll tell you the purpose of the trial. And he tells you how he expects you to respond in the trial. I mean, isn't that nice of God? How'd you like him to bring you in a trial, not tell you anything he's looking for, and then say, now you have to figure it out. But God doesn't do that. So think about this. He said it's the trial in the wilderness. There's a specific trial in Scripture. It's used throughout Scripture called the wilderness trial. Have you guys ever heard of this? Now, we know this is a natural picture, but what's the purpose of a wilderness trial? It's where God pulls you away so no one else can watch you. He puts you in a place where you think God isn't going to be faithful to you, and, and it looks like it's difficult, and the intention of it is, is to train your heart to recognize the goodness of the Lord, even when everything in your outward circumstance doesn't look like it's going the way God said he was going to do something, so that your faith will not be grounded on what you see, but on the nature and the voice of the Lord. And because most of us don't understand that trial, we just think God's brought me to this hard place. And again, he's brought me here to just kill me. And God's saying, no, I brought you to this place so you'll stop being shaken by everything you see outwardly. And you'll now trust my consistent, eternal character, which is God loves you and you can trust him. So he's saying, I brought them into the wilderness to teach them this. I, I, you guys, you know this. Now, we know that in the Old Testament, they were under the Old Testament covenant where they didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. But I'm telling you, how would you like to be one of the four million people that wandered in the wilderness and you literally have a pillar of fire at night keeping you warm and by day a cloud keeping you cool and God dropping free food all the time and doing all this stuff and you're sitting here, God brought me out here to kill me. I mean, talk about hardening of heart having a stupefying effect on a group of people. <laughs> what, now, we laugh at that and we think, oh, I'd never do that kind of stuff and all that kind of stuff. What scares me is I respond the way they do about certain things that God does in my life. Yes, God did this, but will he do it tomorrow? And I don't like manna, I want quail. And I mean, do you guys get it? Okay, so whether it's a temptation or a test, both are to do something for you. So let's just kind of run through it without giving you all 11. Tests and trials are all intentional to do the same thing. They're all, I, it doesn't matter if we name them all off. The purpose is to show you that you need God in a certain area of your life. Your heart doesn't believe that, so it struggles with God. God's trying to get you to give up and trust him so he can reveal another part of his character, love, and provision and care for you. So that you're not living like people that don't know him, that have a hard heart. People that have a hard heart, you're living among them right now. And what's the sign of a hard heart? They're scared. They're rebellious. They're, they're afraid for tomorrow. They, they believe that God has the nature like the devil. And they accuse him of those. Those are all signs of a hard heart. And the Bible is trying to deal with this. God wants to work on this in our lives. So let's keep moving on. So right here is where it gets really fascinating. It says, uh, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, and he says, where your fathers tried me by testing me. Isn't that amazing? 
So God brings them into a trial, and what they do is they tell God, the purpose of the trial is for not you to work something in us, it's for you, we're going to test you in the trial to prove yourself to us. Isn't that amazing? Now, you tell me if you guys have ever done this. You're brought into a circumstance that you don't like, and God's trying to get you to get your heart to be humble so that you can learn his ways and hear his voice. And you turn that the other way and say, you prove yourself or I'm not going to respond to you anymore. Do any of you guys ever do that kind of stuff? Now, I know you're not going to raise your hand, so I'll raise my hand. I do this stuff all the time. This is what amazes me about the goodness of the Lord because when God is trying to get me to listen so my heart can be changed, I say, no, until you prove yourself, I'm not going to pay attention. I I mean... (laughs) Gosh, I don't know if this is good for me to tell you the kind of rebellion of my heart, but let's keep moving forward. And and you see what he says? He says, you guys, instead of you learning from me, you started testing me. You started saying, prove yourself. Prove yourself. And it it was, the Bible is just trying to deal with the nation of Israel, and it's speaking us today. I'm trying to talk to you here about you and how you respond through things you go through in life. I had an opportunity to go to Cuba, and um, I learned a lot of stuff by going to Cuba. One of them was uh, don't ever go with a team you don't know. I went with a team I didn't know. And so usually you develop a history with people, and then you go do ministry with them. I got invited to go to Cuba. I prayed about it. The Lord said, yeah, go. So I had a part of a team that I went with, and then the other part of the team I didn't know, and we were all going to converge on the nation of Cuba which is a communist nation. If you know that, they don't really like ministers and all that other fun stuff. So it was kind of an intense place to go with a team I didn't know. So we get down there. And you guys, isn't it great? Trials are so cool. If you ever watch people make pottery, that's exactly what a trial is. It's like taking a lump of clay and throwing it on a potter's wheel and then putting water and pressure on it to get the impurities out of it. Well, that was what my whole trip to Cuba was. It was great for the people there, but guess what? Three days into all the pressure of the communists chasing us all over the place and harassing us, all of a sudden we all started getting on each other's nerves. Bad. I mean, we're, we're supposed to meet in the lodge. That's where the team stayed. And every time we got in there, we started arguing and fighting with each other to the point where by the third day, we, we also didn't like each other at all that we all hid in our rooms until it was time to go to the next meeting. And if we ever got around each other, before we got in the car, we'd all start arguing. And then we'd have to sit in rooms and try to resolve this. We're supposed to be mature leaders, and we're arguing and fighting with each other. And so we're sitting down, okay, let's resolve it. And as we're trying to resolve it, we're arguing again with each other. So what does this have to do, Brian? So I couldn't wait to get away from that group and get back to the United States for a lot of different reasons. One, my heart got exposed. I thought I was super mature. And here I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of people yelling and screaming at them. And they're screaming back at me. And I'm trying to figure out, how am I not going to beat these people up? And then we go do meetings and we act like everything's fine. I mean, it was the most hypocritical thing I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) And, And then I went from this place where, I don't know if you guys are like this, I'm probably one of the most loving guys I've ever met. And so God wanted to show me just how much I loved people by putting me in that situation and then putting the pressure on. Here's how much love really is coming out of you. 
You love when you get everything your way, but when you, when you don't, this is what you're actually like. And I, I really didn't like that test. <laughs> but God needed to deal with me on it. So we, we landed, we, I, we left, and, and something happened to all our flights where the team that we didn't know had to stay behind and catch the next flight. And I thought, I'm being delivered. And when we got to the Bahamas, I was so excited to get there that literally I got off the plane and got on my knees, seriously, and kissed the ground. I was so excited. It's like, yes, I'm out of Cuba and I'm out of this trial and away from those people, right? Isn't it fun? She's, someone over here is laughing at my immaturity. Yeah, support. There you go. So I thought, well, I'm finished with that, all right? Now, guys, I go to this church in Kansas City that has a couple thousand people. There are people that sit on the other side of the sanctuary I've never met, ever, in 20 years of being there. And I'll meet them other places, and I'll say, sometimes I'll meet them, hey, how long have you been coming to this church? 20 years. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I sit in the same building with you, and I've never talked to you, I've never seen you, and now I'm meeting you for the first time. Well, one of the people on the team went, and he sat on the other side of the church, and I never saw him for like 10 years of being there. We go on this trip, and that was the person I had the most conflict with, and so when I come home, that's who I'm seeing all the time. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm praying this way. God, would you deal with that person? Please make them not be anywhere around me. They're getting on my nerves. And God's trying to deal with all this stuff. And I'm telling God how immature this person is in prayer. I'm not, you guys don't do this kind of stuff, right? And so <laughs> I'm telling God, please. And then it's not stopping. I'm seeing him, this person's more and more every day. Literally everywhere I'm going. I, I literally thought this person is stalking me. And when we get around each other, we'd try to be nice, but we'd start arguing with each other. And I'm just like, I do not understand this. And so my prayers turn from convict him of his sins to literally blow out his tires so I don't have to ever see him again. Isn't this a great trial? No. So I'm, this is my maturity. Isn't this great? This was only like a couple years ago. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I'm... And so my prayers, I actually pray more about it, and all the prayers are, would you deal with this immaturity? Why aren't you, God, I'm your favorite, why don't you deal with this? <laughs> Finally, uh, I love how all trials and tests always reach what's called the point. They reach what you're finally needing to deal with. So I'm telling God how I think you ought to run the universe and what you should do with this person and everything, and the Lord just kind of stops me. Now, here's the point. And I finally heard his voice, and he said, yeah, I'm not going to do any of those things you're asking me to do. He said, why don't you ask me what I think about this situation? And I thought, well, that's kind of different. <laughs> okay. Well, what's your thought about this situation? And this is what amazes me about the Lord. That he does this with all humanity, you and I, through all the generations. This is how God deals with us. We have a perception of what we believe is right or wrong, and that's a part of having a hard heart. And then God, by his voice, comes and he deals with that dullness and he lets us see reality based on who he is and his love. And he he basically said, what I'm going to do for you is I want you to see this person from my perspective. Which, are you guys ready? That's so simple, but I just thought, wow, that's a novel concept. 
And all of a sudden, as a father, he comes and starts showing me the brokenness in his life and explaining to me the reason why he gets on your nerves is because of this stuff that's happened to him. And, and you have no ability to love him because you've never asked me to give you my love for him. And because you've never asked for it, you have hardness towards him. And I want to heal that hardness in your heart. Hey, um, can we make this relevant for what's going on right now on the planet? Just to kind of cut to it. We have a lot of crazy people scared of a lot of stuff going on right now. We have a lot of people mad at a lot of stuff going on right now. And we're miss and God is trying to come to the body and saying, hey, I'm about to do a major move. But if your heart is going to be motivated by that, you're going to miss it all. You're going to have to come to me and ask me to give you my love for what's going on with humanity right now. And your heart will be melted into what God wants it to be for the next season. So, let's finish this. Seriously, let's finish it. <laughs> so, he said... Uh, he said he was angry with them, and it's kind of interesting. This word anger, it's, it's not what people think it is. It's not the wrath of God. That's not the word for the wrath of God. It's actually the word that's, used, that's also tied to the concept of um, grieving the Holy Spirit. So the Lord is trying to say, look, I bring you into a trial to speak to you, to form your heart, and then teach you to walk in paths of righteousness so that my glory can constantly meet you so that you begin to look more like me every day, right? And he's saying, but you guys, you, you fought with me, and what you did is you grieved me, and what it did is it, it repelled my presence, and instead of me embracing you so that you could grow in paths of righteousness, you're now, you've fallen off into a ditch, and now you've gone down the path of rebellion and foolishness. And so and instead of God loving you and having an ever-increasing glory in your life, he's separated from you, and he has to challenge you to let it go. And as long as he's challenging you, you're stuck on the wrong path. Think about this with me just for a moment. Hardness of heart isn't just a position. It becomes an attitude that makes you on the wrong path. Now, what happens when you're on the wrong path? The system and the thinking and the world's hard-heartedness starts affecting you, and you begin to believe that's normal, and God's actually saying, I'm sorry, I have to use the word again. God's saying that's stupid. That's dull. That's leading you into the very thing you're not wanting. You're missing God's heart for you and where he wants to lead you. Please remember this. I know sometimes we get caught in the middle of everything, so it's hard to remember this stuff. But when God is dealing with nations, and that's what's going on right now, all this stuff that's coming to the surface is showing the hand of the Lord is bringing it to the surface. All the stuff that God is dealing with in nations... You're to never be afraid because it's God's job to deal with them and protect you at the same time. You have nothing to fear. Your job is to get his heart because he wants them to get his heart. Do you guys see it? All right, so how do I work through hard-heartedness? Well, the scripture is straightforward and basically tells you this. Turn back to him. 
And this is where we get the concept of repentance. Repentance is not the idea of feeling sorry for something. That's the second part of the word. The first part of the word means to let the light in. So when we say to let the light in, we're, we're using another concept, to hear the voice and the thoughts of the Lord. So we become people like this. I walk into a situation and I say, what's your heart in this situation? Share with me your love for this person. By the way, are you guys like I am? I realize there are certain people walking around the planet that are really hard to love. And so there's no way I can draw it out of myself to do that. But God loves what? Everybody. And so you have to find his love in a situation to be set free from something. All right, would you guys seek the heart of the Lord with me just for a moment here? Holy Spirit, would you come among us right now? Release your power and your presence. Release it. Now, God, wherever each one of us is at right now with those people, would you change us to love them the way you do. And anywhere where we're struggling and, and re intentionally resisting your voice, I ask that you would nurture us past it. Teach us your ways, O oh Lord. Let your presence guide us. And I ask that a strengthening and a filling of your presence would come over them right now. Bless them, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. If you struggle with headaches, would you stand? The Lord would like to minister to you. Struggle with headaches. If you've been going through a season of weakness in your body or fatigue, would you stand? The Lord would like to minister to you. If you have any problems with your hips, they're out of alignment, and it causes you to walk either in pain or just kind of like you have a limp, would you stand? The Lord would like to minister to you. Next one is ankle pain. I was trying to figure out, it was like when you like arch your foot to take a step, you're like ankles in pain. If you'd stand up also, the Lord would like to minister to you. And then he was showing me, someone had, I couldn't figure out if someone got hit in the middle of their back or whatever it was, but there's some kind of weakness in the middle of your back, and it has to do with your muscles. If you would stand up, the Lord would like to minister to you also. And for the people that are standing, this is your chance to receive from a, a good father. Just extend your hands. And it's our job to pray for you. So your job is to focus on God's love. Just focus on his love towards you, and we're going to pray for you. Okay? Holy Spirit. Bring your power and your presence. Just bring your power. Yeah. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I break weakness and pain off their bodies. And I ask that a cleansing would come over their souls, their minds, and their physical bodies right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, what you have done on the cross, bring the benefits. Holy Spirit, bring the benefits of Christ's suffering upon each person right now. And I break the power of pain and weakness off these people. I ask, Lord, that you would restore their bodies. 
Uh, Holy Spirit, grab whoever's hip it is or hips, just grab them right now and pull them back into alignment right now. Lengthen legs. I command the restriction and the muscles to lift off in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come into the inflammation and the pain in the ankles, and I command it to lift off right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And any of this stuff with the middle of the back and just the spine, Holy Spirit, bring your power over it right now. In the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So, let's see. I had a word for a gentleman named Eric. Is there an Eric in here this evening? Okay. Hopefully, if you know an Eric, this is for him. Holy Spirit, come around Eric right now. This thing that's going on with his family. I ask that you draw near to him and strengthen him where he's felt, where are you in the middle of all this? I ask that you would communicate to him and reveal your love to him. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Is there a person here, Lydia, or someone that knows a person named Lydia? All right, uh, I'm going to pray for her. You can give her the word, okay? Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you bring your power and your presence near Lydia. Uh, this, uh, it literally feels like she's in a storm, and I ask that you'd break the power of that right now, and she's crying out for the joy of the Lord, and I ask that you'd release it to her right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command your blessing upon Lydia in the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, uh, Hopefully you guys get to do this. This is a lot of fun. Is there a person here named Robin or someone knows a person named Robin? You know, uh, who is it? Just someone you know? Okay, so let's pray for her, okay? You get to go give her this. Aren't you excited? Holy Spirit, bring your power and your presence around Robin. I thank you for that creativity that you've given her, that she actually has a servant's heart. I ask that you'd move towards her right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and that you would, she's, she's in a season where she's trying to figure out her destiny. I ask that you'd speak to her about it clearly and specifically in finances. I ask that you would move on her, Lord, and open doors that no man can shut. And I command the blessing of the Lord upon Robin right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so uh, this is always fun. I hope you guys are having fun watching me do this. I felt like the Lord showed me there were people that were born in Texas. So do I have people that were born in Texas here this evening? Oh, is there one? He told me three. So one, two, and you? Wow, I got one right. Isn't that great? Would you guys stand? If you were born in Texas, just stand. I don't know why the Lord wants me to call you out, but he told me to have you guys stand. So... Please extend your hands like this. Holy Spirit, bring your power and your presence over them. Oh, okay. Well, that's a cool covenant. Uh, the Lord is going to release over you a strengthening from his presence. You're going to go from a person that usually uh, feels like you're kind of just helping and supporting, and God is going to move you forward, and there's a certain 
thing that it talks about when it talks about the, the prayer of Elijah. And the term that's used uh, for prevailing is what God is going to release over you. Prevailing prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. What does it mean to prevail? It means to be given a combative spirit or a spirit of a warrior so you can stand when things are hard. And so can I pray for that to be released over you? Holy Spirit, give them a warring spirit. Release it over them in this season, and I command the blessing of the Lord upon them right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, one last prayer for you guys, and then, Michael, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Please pray with me. Father, we just thank you for this evening. We ask that you would come. And this thing about us seeking your face, make your face revealed to us. Let your face shine upon us, Lord. And I ask that the, the, the radiance of your glory would just center upon each person so they can be saturated with your embrace. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Be blessed, guys. Come tomorrow night. We'll have fun. Well, we got about 15 minutes here. Um, I, I, I think let's just take this last time. Uh, just pray together. Uh, it's a great thing to do. And um, this is what I was feeling is there are, as Brian was talking about, there's this thing called grumbling and complaining that, that the Lord loves. He loves grumbling and complaining. <laughs> he actually doesn't like it at all. And uh, it, because what happens is, is you come into a place of, of fear rather than faith, and, and we begin to grumble, complain, and, and not see what the Lord is doing in the midst of these things. That's what Brian was talking about, and it hardens our heart. And uh, so I, I felt like, and this may you may get a little vulnerable, so, um, and you go as far as you want and do what you want, but there's the scripture that just came to mind is in James 5, and it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then it says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective and righteous person, man, woman. Uh, but, uh, but there's something powerful in, in, in the, um, where's, oh, yeah, First John, it says it as well. Just, it talks about, it says, and if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. But um, you don't have to go into the deep stuff. Uh, <laughs> probably don't if it's somebody you don't know. <laughs> but I think... Even if, even in these areas of grumbling and complaining, if there's things just in your heart, maybe that you're you're frustrated with, or that you're, or there, where there's fear, uh, there's something about as you confess these things, as you kind of as you bring them to the light, uh, it, like a lot of that, sometimes that grip, that thing that it actually has over you, is broken, just in that in bringing something to the light, and then you actually what you're doing is you're just you're talking to the other person about it, you're confessing it. And then you're praying into it together. And so um, 
and you, what you're doing is you're just taking it to the Lord. And you're saying, okay, God, I don't, I don't want to have these thoughts. I don't want to have this fear. I don't want to have this anger. I don't want to have this, this, this grumbling and complaining attitude right now in life. Lord, would you help me in this area? Would you soften my heart that I can hear your voice, that I would know what you're doing in the midst of this? It's always it's looking at a situation and saying, God, what are you doing and what's my part? And as, as you get the heart of the Lord in those things and begin to move in that, it, it shifts your mindset and shifts the way you see things. And, and hopefully, um, our hearts get so tender towards the Lord. It's something that we've been in. It's just that, that tenderness of the heart, that wholehearted devotion to Him, uh, that we would trust Him no matter what the situation is and not become fearful in those things and not allow fear to get in and get a grip, which it can actually harden your heart as well. So... I'm not going to preach anymore. I want you guys to just gather together, maybe get in groups of three, four, uh, two, three, four. If it's just two of you, um, I think it'd be good. Don't just do it with your spouse. If, if <laughs> uh, At least grab maybe one or two other people and just uh, get to know someone else too. So God bless you guys. Brian already prayed for you. So uh, I'll just say bless you guys, love you guys, and uh Don't forget to pick up your kids in 15 minutes. All right? God bless you.